now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Sherry Anshara, author, medical intuitive, and a woman who has had five near-death experiences. Sherry, thank you so much for being my guest, and welcome. Well, thank you so much. I am so delighted to be here, Jeffrey. I am. Thank you for having me as a guest. If you don't mind, let's start on your very first one and go from there. Okay, so I'm going to have to warn your listeners. I have an outrageous sense of humor that I developed as a little kid because it was the only way in those moments that I could survive. Does that make sense? But I'm way past surviving. I'm into living. So my first one was at three years old. And would you like to know why? Sure. Okay, at three years old. And this was a long time ago. I think I think I went to school with George Washington, honestly. So it was a long, long time ago. And I would tell my mother, how come that how come little kids have these big lights and big people have these little lights around them? And my mother would say, There's no lights around people. And I would say, hmm, how come the people I see that you can't see make more sense to me than the people we see? I was three years old, but I had an incredible vocabulary because I was raised by three teenagers Mm -hmm. and they were a lot older. And so I never talked baby talk. And so I talked teenage ease way back then. Mm -hmm. And so I was always questioning. So how did I create the first near-death experience at three? I couldn't breathe into life. So they didn't know if I had asthma, pneumonia or what, but my lungs started shutting down. And so I was in this oxygen tent in Harper Hospital, anybody knows from Detroit, Michigan, way back when, sitting in this oxygen tent, because that's what they did. And it was in the middle of the night. And I was sitting in a Buddha position. I remember it very clearly. I actually remember being in my mother's womb. And we can talk about that later, cellular memory. And so uh, I remember my dad saying to my mother, she's going to be okay. And I'm saying to myself, I'm not going to be okay. But one of my peeps, you know, one of my peeps that my parents couldn't see was in the room and said, no, Sherry, you're, you're not ready to go yet. You have some things to do. And I only know at three, you know, three years old that my things to do was having fun. And this was not so much fun. My family was lovely to me. They were fabulous. I mean, when I went to kindergarten, I could read, write, and print. I mean, I was like this little teenager. But I said, this doesn't make any sense because I see all this stuff. I talk to all these people, and nobody else can see them but me. This is, like, ridiculous. (laughs) And I told my mother at three, remember when I was Jewish and lived in New York? She goes, Sherry, we're Catholic. We live in Detroit. (laughs) And, and like, we did not have those words. And so I was always saying things from other timelines in in the cellular memory. But anyway, isn't that funny? Yeah. Do you have anything to your girls that you want to say about that NDE before we move on? Well, I know that it began to change my life. And I started looking at things differently, even at three. And the interesting part about it is my father transitioned when I was five on Christmas Day. So for a Catholic family, that's pretty heavy duty. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I kind of became the counselor in a way to my siblings because I had already had an NDE. And I knew that his transition had a meaning that was much more meaningful than full of mean. I teach wordology as your biology. And so I knew uh, that something was special was going to happen. Well, my father, they, my mother bought a house and they couldn't move. My mother couldn't afford it because she never worked. You know, that was back then when housewives stayed home and took care of their kids. So here she is with three teenagers and me and we didn't move. But I knew that something was about to unfold. And six years later, or I mean, in six months later, I met this man across the street when I was out playing and he pulled my pigtails. And he had been in World War II. And he was this handsome man. And he and his roommate moved across the street. And lo and behold, I eventually introduced him to my sister. And they were married, they were together 52 years. Wow. That's great. And so, but if we had, and they had five kids. So, and they had their first one when I was seven. And they actually wanted to adopt me. I mean, they were like my surrogate parents. They were amazing. Now that I didn't love my mother, I did. But my sister and I were very close. And I also learned about contracts the con of the tracks because Mm -hmm. of that. So um, that was a a very unusual. 
And then at six, I was pimping my mother. Now, don't let your audience panic. <laughs> Because now my siblings are getting ready to, you know, get out of the house and move. And I'm going, oh, my God, I'm stuck with this woman. I'm not kidding you. But I didn't know that's what I was saying. So I would go up to men in the grocery store if they were cute. And my mother was adorable. She was blonde and Scandinavian, this cute little upturned nose. And so I would ask them if they were married. So I was trying to get my mother in. Like, somebody take this woman off my hands. I'm only six. Like, I can't do this. Isn't that funny? But that's really the truth. And my mother would be humiliated. Do you feel like even after your first NDE, did you gain any extra abilities that you didn't have or everything you had was prior? Um, most of it I had. But the other thing is that that experience uh, gave me some freedom inside. But the hard part is I couldn't express it outside in my life. And so but I, it gave me the ability to have a strength inside that I would say most little kids don't have. And I teach non-duality. I've been teach, teaching it for years. So in that experience, I remember when I was eight years old, this was in the 1950s, I'm kidding you. I'm not kidding, or not even that. And I raised my hand and I said to the teacher, if Columbus discovered America, how come people were living here? And he gave me this fabulous answer, like most adults, that's why they call it adulteration. That's why I teach people don't grow up, grow, because being an adult is an adulteration. And he said, memorize it, Sherry, and pass the test. And then I knew for sure, and we didn't have Wikipedia or Google or all that, but I started researching at eight years old in the adult library, looking for answers because I found that most people were programmed and it was duality, but I didn't have that word then. Now you keep speaking about duality. What do you mean by that? Well, duality is what we are in or on this planet earth and in this universe. And I'm currently started a new book about the history of this universe and, and this earth of do. So duality is good and bad, high and low, negative and positive. So you know what, Jeffrey, I'm positive. You're negative. What does that mean? <laughs> and that's so I could say uh, you're you're right and I'm wrong or I'm wrong and you're right. So that's duality and it filters politics and, and religion. I'm not being judgmental. It's just all these wonderful experience that I had with these people that are non-duality. And, 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 and can I break a thing? There's no such thing as an extraterrestrial. They might be other terrestrials, but they're not extra. They just had better technology. So get over it. <laughs> so I can see all that stuff as three. And so I had to sort of figure it out on my own, but it was quite interesting. And I learned that sometimes it's best not to question. And the word question means to quest at your ion or cellular level. So I was always questing, looking for answers that it didn't seem anybody had any, uh, they had answers, but they were sort of pat answers. They were answers that they were programmed to answer, but I was looking for answers, Jeffrey, answers. So it sounds like to me that you believe that most of us are living a programmed life. We are, but that's not wrong, but I, I've been on programming people or they do it themselves. I don't. And by the way, people call me a healer. I'm not a healer. You, there's no healers. You heal yourself. I just develop tools to teach people how to heal themselves. And and I, and I have all kinds of pictures and things over the years that, you know, that have, you know, have done or someone else has done and it proved it. So the body is so smart and the brain is not very smart. But that's okay, because <laughs> we're only using half a brain. So when people come to me and say, I'm half out of my mind, well, your crown is up your assets that you're not working <laughs> in your half assets too. <laughs> so you have a lot of NDEs, and we've only went through one. Let's move on to your second one. Well, the second one is, so I will have to pray a little bit. When I was a little girl, I told my mother, because we were all brought up, grow up, get married, have children, love, happy, love. After. Now, I'm not wronging that, but it's not for everybody, correct? Yeah. So my idea was I would like to explore and do things. So my mother said, you had to get married. You have to get married. So I did get married and I had to, but I wasn't pregnant. I had to get married because that was the program then. And I didn't really like the idea. So I was married a year and I called my mother. No, I'm not against marriage. I work with a lot of couples and families. Really, it's you have to be your own self. 
And so in the back of my mind, unconsciously was, you know, in sickness and health till death do you part. So a year after I was married, I called my family and said, I'm going to get divorced. Oh my God, you would have thought the earth collapsed. And we, there was a family meeting. Oh my God, you can't do this. Oh my God, what will the neighbors think? You know, that's 1950s. And so I thought, okay, you know, this just isn't for me. And that's when I learned about profiles, behaviors, and roles. So anyway, so with a brand new 1965 Corvette, perfect Corvette, white leather interior, red, I was a block from home on a beautiful uh, Michigan sunny December day. The roads were dry, but there was snow all over, but the roads were dry. And I got hit by a 396 Chevy Chevelle, hit me twice, bent the frame, went up over a curb, took down a 40-foot evergreen tree, and went through a cement block of this lady's house, wow. who happened to be deaf and who thought her furnace blew up. And I smashed the Corvette, and I died. It was fabulous. I thought, hooray for Hollywood. I made it. I can do it. I know I have outrageous sense of humor, but that's what saved my lives. So my lives. So um, I thought, oh, my God, I'm out of here. And so the interesting part about it is I got out of the car because the door was open because it was a beautiful day. And I got out the window. Don't ask me how. But there was a lady that, uh, well, I'll prelude it this way. I'm laying on the ground in the snow. And it was cold. I'm laying in the snow. But I could feel somebody holding me, just holding me in their arms. And I opened my eyes. And, you know, I'm beginning to get back in my body. And I thought, oh, my God, this must be heaven. Look at this blue, clear sky. It's just gorgeous. And I'm laying there and I can't hardly move. And my eyes went to the left and I see this woman holding me, looking in my face. And I said, if that this is heaven, this is a butt ugly angel. <laughs> it was a neighbor woman across the street. And I was a block from home, so I didn't know them. And she had heard the crash and knew the lady across the street from her was deaf. And so she came running out and she didn't know what to make of it until I guess I staggered out first into the lady's house. Don't ask me how I did that. And then it, uh, uh, down back down the stairs, because these were, you know, two story homes, big houses, you know, big wooden old houses built in the 30s and the 40s, some of them. And so and so here I am. And then I had a lot of physical um problems from that after they took me to the hospital, but they didn't get it. And of course, um, they take me now, this is not a judgment in any way, shape or form, but they took me to a Catholic hospital and they were doing Hail Marys. I didn't mind that. But the fact is they released me while I was hemorrhaging. Mm. So obviously it didn't work. Not judging. This is way back in 1965. And so I had to work through all of that myself, but it propelled me into another um, resonance. Frequency and vibration are products of resonance. That resonance, that's all they are. So it's not about frequency and vibration. It's about resonance that I later learned. Mm -hmm. And so then I began to change my life. And I went into business. And um, that's how I found out years later, the profile of my ex-husband was my mother because she was Monty Needy. And so is he. And he sued me for alimony. Isn't that fabulous? <laughs> So that was so, but that really began to change my life. And I began to, uh, uh, you know, I, I could touch, I could actually see more about of people in their field. Now you can call it oral, electromagnetic or bioenergy. It's all the same, but I could see information in their field. And, um, you know, maybe a reader or psychic does that, but I don't interpret. I just provide information to the clients because I see it as like a movie. It was like a movie. And it was discombobulating for a while until I learned to get in charge, not control. That's why I'm very specific about my language is in charge of myself. And it, it was quite amazing. So you were hemorrhaging. Did you actually end up dying after that? And having No, some... it was I, that was from the near death. Okay. But they didn't know that. And fortunately, I found a physician in Michigan at the time um who assisted me because it was really really uh traumatic but the fact is it was almost a clearing <laughs> too at the same time mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. so is so isn't that amazing 
So um, it was it was just very exciting. That's for sure. Let me backtrack on that one because I'm a little confused. After you hit the house and the tree and everything, did you go out of body and experience something? Oh yeah, I was out the door, and and it was the same. Oh my God, I made it. Okay, you I'm were in gone. Hollywood, and and I have to say that in each of my NDEs, I met some incredible people. I can't call them entities. I'm not mm-hmm. going to call them extraterrestrials because there's nothing extra about them. They just have better technology. So I'm very clear and very specific. But I met all of these different individuals and I call them my peeps. Mm -hmm. Isn't that funny? Mm -hmm. And so, and many of them that I met, I didn't know at the time about the word duality, but they were completely non-duality. There was no judgment. There was just pure connectedness, pure connectedness. And I met all kinds of them. So I'll throw this out now, Jeffrey. I know this is crazy, but I'm at that point in age and stage in my life where I just tell it like it is. But I'm actually in communication with 65 races of people outside this duality universe. And they're non-duality and they're wonderful to talk with. All right. And you don't even have to talk. That's the best part. They're all on other planets or are just outside this universe or Mm -hmm. just in other realms or both. Well, we will say other realms or dimensions. I just take all the mysticism out of all these words like realms or dimensions because you are already multidimensional. You already are that. So if you look inside the human body, which I work with as a medical intuitive in the medical world, in the business world, I'm an intuitive business coach. So I have clients from millionaires, billionaires, to just starting out entrepreneurs, and even babies in the womb. Mm -hmm. You are completely intelligent in intellect in your cellular memory, the minute the sperm hits the egg. So I have written articles, especially one about babies talking while they're in the womb, but we're not taught this. We are limited because of these duality. And because it's like meeting someone who shares knowledge with you, it benefits both people or both races or, you know, both groups. When you first started talking about new duality, I was thinking consciousness. And since I'm on it, I want to ask you, do you think our bodies are a manifestation of our consciousness or are we a dual system where we have a body and we have a conscious that's separate from the body? No, we are consciousness and each body that we incarnate in is our vehicle. Um, I'm going to put a plug in here right now. I am. This is for those. This book I wrote is called Take Back Your Power to Becoming You. You can see I teach out of it. Mm. But this book was a rewrite of a book I started in 91 after the near-death experience based on cellular memory. And so I coined cellular memory. I'm finally owning it. I wouldn't do that before, but it's not because like I'm possessing it. It just came to me. But cellular memory is your continuum. There is no such thing as a past life. So I'm trusting your audience doesn't freak. It's a continuum. And so many times when we have an affinity for something, um, it's because we've done it before. And maybe a different realm or a dimension or a different place. Say, I take all the words and make sense out of them. So we don't, oh, a dimension or a realm or a place. It's all the same. It's just that we have all these words that we defined them. I take all the mystery and the mysticism out of everything, everything. I've been in delivery rooms, operating rooms, all kinds of stuff um, at, 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 you know, the patient's uh, or the person's request. And so this explains about cellular memory. And this is my current book. I know it's going to be outrageous here, but the reason is this is all the things I've learned over the years. And this is called busting out of the matrix, Uh, be free. And this is about DNA. So I'm writing about DNA in a completely different way, but I've known this stuff all my, all these years, but now I'm just writing about it all the time. Um, I have published over 600 articles because I love providing information. So Jeffrey, if it resonates to you, great. And if it doesn't, that's okay. I don't take it personal. But duality is taking it personal. And I teach people to personalize it so it doesn't have an effect, effect, or infect. Because all illness that I've learned through these experiences and meeting all these wonderful people is that that emotions are the core of every disease. Every disease. I don't care what it is or what the label is. It's all the same. So I guess it's best if we all become like Spock and become emotionless. 
emotionless. Non- and there no, we go. you know what I call that? <laughs> You're right. Neo, correct. Neo, non-emotional observer. And I teach that. It's so cool. And so people cannot trigger me emotionally because it doesn't matter. It's whatever they say. You know, it's so when you're Neo, you embrace life. You're like full of life. And actually, I'll confess, in August, I'll be 79. Wow. Yeah. You look. And I I work like sometimes 18 hour days. And it's not working. It's because I love to do what I do. I just love it. Are you saying that within each life, we just carry all of our information over and then it implants into the cells of the next living vehicle that we're in? Correct. And information means in form, a form at your ion or cellular level. Hmm. So we are a, a composite of this incredible intelligence and intellect. What gets us screwy is this left computer brain. We, remember in duality, we have to be right. We have to be right. The other person has to be wrong or the other group. So this left brain, and I teach this, goes to the right side of the body, the male side. Recreate, recreate, recreate. I actually call this the Elizabeth Taylor syndrome. So she married the same guy eight times and her four best friends were gay and they were the same profile. And she became her mother and her son became her and married a Getty granddaughter who died of a drug overdose because she was always trying. Now, I'm not judging her. And it's because I did you know, research on this. Like, why would somebody do that? So you can't change the why until you get to the what. What the heck am I doing? <laughs> and that's what I assist people to do. So they've gotten rid of cancer. They've gotten rid of all kinds of stuff. And it's not that they were bad or wrong, or it was a punishment. You know, some people say, well, the reason you're sick is you're punished. It's a punishment for being bad. It's ridiculous. Mm. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. I love the human body. It's so darn smart. I'm not impressed with that left computer brain. And it isn't even active until you're about um, 25. So I tell my clients that teenagers, please don't ask your 14-year-old what they'd like to do the rest of their lives. They don't even know what they'd like to do tomorrow. <laughs> Get over it. All right. So what happens in the in-between lives when we're just consciousness only? How does that all play out that we're carrying all these lives of information with us? How is that stored? Oh, my God, Jeffrey, that, that's your consciousness and the, and the in-between times. So let's say in in-between times, get this clear. I've assisted many people to transition, including my own family members. I don't call it death, transition. So where you leave is where you pick up in that resonance. If you leave pissed off, you're going to come back pissed off. You know, this, oops, I did it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Britney Spears said, yeah. oops, I did it again. And yeah. so this is this, and then this is the time continuum. You know, this is the hourglass and bring it down three times. I write about it in my book and twist it. It's your DNA. So this is the in-between times. So let's just imagine, Jeffrey, you and I are in the in-between times and we happen to meet up in a Starbucks somewhere in the in-between times. And I and you're sitting there at your at Starbucks, you know, and you're writing or, or on your tablet or whatever. And I come up and go, Jeffrey, what are you doing? And you go, well, I'm writing my next incarnation. <laughs> and so and, and we were taught that to do lessons, correct? Yes. Well, look at the word lesson is less on, less on, less on that turns into moron, moron, moron. Are you kidding me? Isn't that great? <laughs> so you're sitting there and going, well, maybe I could assist you or something, whatever. Maybe we can meet up as friends or something or enemies or frenemies, whatever. So those in-between times, we are trying to right the wrongs. You know, man from La Mancha, right? The invulnerable, whatever the heck it is, blah, blah, blah. But the fact is, it's not about right or wrong. It's about what is correct for you. It's that simple. But we like to make it complicated, and that's duality. So in those in-between times, that's what you're doing. So in my near-death experiences, short in linear time, but really not when you're gone, those were in-between times, and I was just collecting information in data. It was so fabulous, but I was also remembering who I am. And the funny part of it is when I was three, my mother developed this handle for me and she would say, Sherry, where did you come from? (laughs) (laughs) And so that was my handle. Where did you come from? In your opinion, what is the point of us reincarnating over and over and over again? What, what, and why are we doing this? 
it's called duality. There's no point. So the point is to get conscious so you don't have to reincarnate, that you can incarnate. I know where I'm going the next time. And That's it's good. not going to be in duality. Trust me. This is my last gig here for duality. And and I know a lot of my clients and friends are, are, are not going to incarnate back here. Reincarnate. They're going to incarnate. Because it's your, you have choices, but in duality, we make emotional decisions instead of clear conscious choices. And it is about consciousness. And you can see in the world all the trauma drama, but it's the same thing. It doesn't matter where the war is. Duality is based on war and duality is based on manipulation by the quote leaders that I call them the they. So that means you're going to incarnate for the last time. Where are you going to incarnate? Well, actually, I, I'm a really a busybody. So I've already got my plan. I'm going to go to different places and to explore because I always loved exploring. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. When I was 30, I told my mother, my sister who was 12 years older than me. She was like, like my second mom, real. And um, I told her that I was going to learn how to fly an airplane. And they said, well, number one, you're a girl. You're a girl, but you're too old. Now, how can a girl be too old? Isn't that, isn't that duality? Yeah. So I bought an airplane. <laughs> you just showed... And people said, how did you buy an airplane? Well, how do you buy a car? You put so much money down and once a month you get a bill. If you don't pay it, they take it. You know, so yeah. Unless you have enough to pay for it all. So it's like ridiculous. So it, so those were my the most enjoyable times. And many, many things happened from them. Mm-hmm. And I met people that I had known before. It, it was quite uh, obvious. How do you recognize people that you've known before? Resonance. Feeling. Feeling. Once you get in your love computer brain, you're screwed, to put it bluntly. Because you talk yourself out of something. See, in, in the white papers in psychology and psychiatry, not wronging it, they, they interchange feeling and emotions as the same they are not. Absolutely not even mm. close. So feeling is your heart, that's your intuition. Intuition is not booga booga. It's not metaphysical. Forgive me when I say it that way. But your feeling is here. Your intuition is your natural innate ability to discern what is correct for you and what is not. And I have used my intuition all my, it's just natural. It's not booga booga. When I listen to my head, oh my God, it never worked out. <laughs> Jeffrey, can you relate to that? Because yeah. your intuition, your gut here, I call your heart and your uh, solar plexus, your feeling center. And every time I went against that, oh, it didn't work. So I don't do that. I only follow my intuition. And I've gotten some amazing things because of it. So how do we learn to quiet the booga booga and listen to the into our intuition? You just gave the answer. Listen, this is hearing, 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 blah, 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 blah. But when you listen, the answers come. And that is really what my Anshara method of accelerated healing and abundance is about, is I teach people how to listen to themselves. It's miraculous what happens because it's practical. So everything I teach is practical. If it isn't practical, then what's the point of it? Mm-hmm. And variety is the spice of life. And that's what we came here. We came here to create the life we came here to create, not to get called up in these dual, dualistic programming. And, and did I get caught up in some of it? Yes. Did I go against my intuition? Yes. Um, did I learn a lesson? No, I'm not interested in less and less and less and less on and more on. I'm not interested. What I'm interested in is being alive. But I can see in my escape modules. That's why I loved flying. And I liked flying alone because I could be above it all. And I didn't have to hear all that crap. <laughs> hmm. So I would just take off and go fly. Not with it, not with any place in mind. I mean, I you know I had all the maps and I knew where all the airports were, so that wasn't a problem. But I just loved being in the air, being free, like being in a ship. Can we talk more about resonance? Because I'm not really completely clear on that. Okay, resonance is how you are, how you're connected. Resonance is connection. But we're taught about in metaphysics, it's frequency and vibration. It is not their byproducts. So when someone is in a resonance of duality. Um, let's say, um, let's say I don't like people that have glasses. So 
in my idea, because that was, you know, that's a belief system of duality. So I meet you, you're wearing glasses and, and I happen to wear contacts forever and ever. So I would say, you know what? I, 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 the frequency and vibration is not the same. I don't like you, Je Jeffrey. I, I'm already judging you. But when we judge someone else, we're judging our own self. So frequency and vibration are byproducts of either being non-dualistic consciousness or being dualistic belief systems. And so I ask you, in duality, we have belief systems. So you, you, can, you can say it or not. So what's the first letter of the word belief? B. First letter of the word system. S. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a resonance got it mm -hmm. and this is a perfect application god your audience is going to flip please don't do any prayers for me i don't like chocolate i never like chocolate i don't resonate to chocolate mm -hmm. but do i serve chocolate my friends love chocolate i am so happy for their birthdays or whatever to give them chocolate they love it matter of fact my brothers who are a lot older than me 9 and 11 years old they loved halloween because I would get, you know, all the and, and I would collect all this chocolate candy and they would be so happy. But I kept the potato chips because I love them. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's a resonance. That's a connection. Mm -hmm. But my mother, these are the duality belief systems. When I was a little girl, my mother would say, Sherry, you have to eat the chocolate if someone makes it for you. And I'd be sick for three days. I couldn't stand it. So then I as and as an adult, I made up the story. Oh, my God, Jeffrey, if, if, it's so nice you made this chocolate. But if I eat it, I'm going to be sick for three days. And like, who cares? Like, shut up. So now I just say, oh, my God, look at all the chocolate you guys get to eat. And no one ever says, why aren't you eating it? No, mm -hmm. they're just scarfing it down. <laughs> you see the difference yeah. from a trauma drama and a story, blah, 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 to just what it is. So could you say that? Resonance is like being connected or connectedness. Yes. And I teach allness, heartness, and connectedness. I can't teach oneness. Oneness is a duality BS program. You know why? Because it says we're all the same. No, we're not. Isn't that boring? If we were all the same, we'll be anatoms. Duality makes people anatoms. So allness is I recognize the allness of you in your uniqueness, and we can still be connected and resonate. So just using chocolate as an example, I have friends that I resonate to. We've been friends for years. They love chocolate, but, and I'm glad mm. <laughs> I'm not going to wrong. So that I recognize their uniqueness in their allness of the allness of me and the all. Doesn't it make more sense? Yeah. That's what everybody tells me, what I teach and what I do makes, if it doesn't make sense, then I don't know why we're doing it. All right. Well, let's move on to your big NDE, the big one. Big one. The big one was in 1991. And uh, there was a setup. There's always a setup. And I got it clearly. So a month prior, I was at the Javits Center for a company that I worked with. And there was like, I don't know, 20,000, 25,000 people. And this lady walks up to me and says, Hi, Sherry, remember me? And I'm looking at her. I went to high school with her. I never really hung around with her. But I go, Oh, yeah, how are you? And she said, and we started chatting. And she said, When will be you on, be on the East Coast again? I lived in Michigan. I said, Actually, in May, this was April, I said, in May, uh, Memorial Weekend, I will be in Boston. And she said, so my husband and I were filming a commercial there. When will you be done? Five o'clock. So will we. She said, why don't we just pick you up and take you back to Connecticut? Oh, my God. And you can spend the weekend. We live in an old sea captain's home and you'll, you'll love it. I go fabulous. Old Lyme, Connecticut, you know, Lyme disease. So we go back there. And now it's about 10 o'clock at night. We're having dinner and there were some other things that happened. It was wonderful. But she said, you know, my husband would like to go home, go to bed because it's been a long day and I've been up since five. He's, he's, she said, but how about if we go to this restaurant and it's called in Old Saybrook, Connecticut. It's a very wealthy area and it's called the Dock and Dine, which I turned into the Dock and Dine. And so it's 11 o'clock at night. So we pull up in the parking lot. This is the setup. And someone calls her over and she said, would you mind if I go talk to him? I go, not at all. This is beautiful. And the harbor is filled with yachts, not yoke rowboats, yachts, gorgeous. So I'm walking on this beautiful Memorial weekend. It was Friday night. And this lady backs up in front of me out of a parking place, drunker than a skunk, I found out, and hit the car behind her. And then she pulls it up and the car is kind of idling and shaking. And she falls out and she goes, could you believe how I don't help anybody? I assist orology. But I said, oh, sure, I can help you. I was overtired. So I get in her car. 
and I start to move it, it hits the car again. I thought, oh my God, I have to call my insurance company and what am I going to do? And it's Memorial weekend. And my head started thinky thinking, right? So I put the car in, uh, pulled it up a little bit, and then I put it in just a neutral. So, cause it was rattling and all over. Remember I used to drive Cor- Corvettes and all that stuff. So yeah, I was pretty familiar with cars. And so I, I was, so the next thing, you know, this car takes off. And I see this pole barrier, it's like, you know, poles, you know, and I see these yachts and I'm going, oh my God. So the car takes off zero to 60, it launches, it hits the the pole barrier to just whatever, bends down, launches me 40 feet in the air, the car turns over and it starts going down. Immediately, I was out of body. And this Mm -hmm. was my first um, impression. Hooray for Hollywood. I'm making it. I am out. Yay. I'm out the door. Oh my God. This is it. Oh, this is so fabulous. I can't believe it. The next thing you know, I'm on a ship. I'm not kidding you. You can call it your heaven or your hell or whatever, but it wasn't that to me at all. And, and there, by the way, there is no heaven and hell, but that's okay. It's where you leave is where you pick up. So I can tell you some of, the, of those stories. Um, so anyway, so I'm on the ship and I met these 12 people that I called the 12 wise guys. Cause you know, it was Connecticut, the mafia, you know, I have my words sense humor. And so these are the 12 wise guys. And so I am sitting in this white room and it's like, I'm being on the Star Trek enterprise. I kid, I kid you not. I'm looking out this and I see all this night, you know, now it's like 1130 and you know, all this you know, people are running around and I know that this car is in the drink and I'm upside down in the car. And I already know that my head is smashed and I am a mess. I already know that. And so I'm sitting down with the, because like time stops, there is no stop, you know, it's only our linear idea. Mm -hmm. Um, So they told me that I would go back and I go, surely you just, now this is Connecticut. And I had lived a little bit on the East coast. So I learned some really incredible language. (laughs) The word starts with F. And I said, there is no, because I would have never done that for Michigan, you know, you know, in in a Catholic family, it wouldn't wouldn't happen. They would have, you know, had to exercise me or something. But now this is being, quote, an adult. And, and they told me that I had elected to go back. And I said, you know, I didn't cast a vote. (laughs) What do you mean I elected? I don't think so. No, I'm not going back. I'm out. This is it. This is what I've been trying to do. Trying and trying and trying is trying. And this time I did it. I'm not going back. That body is in the drink. She's dead. That's all there is to that. And I ain't going back. No way. And so they smiled and they were very kind to me. And, and they said, well, you have a contract. I go, a what? I said, wait a minute. I said, I don't have a contract. It said, yeah, your contract said you're going back. I said, no, obviously you guys are insane because I am not going back. And a con of the track, I learned that those are contracts, the con of the track. So I teach people how to make agreements. And they said, yeah, and that you have some things to do and you're going to write some books and you're going to do this stuff and and it's going to be extraordinary and no one's going to believe you. Oh, fabulous. And no one's going to believe me. Oh, of course. Well, send me back. No, thank you. I'm not going to go back. People are not going to believe me. And I'm going to write books. And I'm going to. And I said, yeah. And so the next thing you know, I am coming out. The window of this car was open. And I am coming up to the surface. I can't swim. I've had two homes with pools, including one now. And I can't swim. I don't even like to swim. You know, what? Epsom salt bath, yes. But, you know, swimming, no. But, you know, like to dunk around in it. So I come up and I come up to the surface, the Connecticut River, it's midnight, it's dirty, it's awful, it's murky. And they, and so all of a sudden I feel someone lifting me up because these are yacht, you know, deck, you know, docked for yachts. Hmm. And this man grabbed me and he pulls me up. But I did find out a year later that the person who said pulled me out of the drink, there was no such person, no such address because they came back to me. I still have the card. <laughs> How about that? And so those guys up on that ship, whatever, whoever they are. And so this guy says to me, um, I said, I have to get up. He goes, you can't. So I put my finger and my head was all bloody coming out. And I smashed my head really, really bad. And so they took me to uh, um, the hospital, Lawrence Memorial Hospital. And I go in there and I'm a mess. And this wonderful 
doctor in the urgency room, old doctor, he said, I'm going to have to sew you up. And I went, nope, uh-uh, you better call a plastic surgeon. I have no idea where that came from. And mm-hmm. he did. And look, I have no, there's no scar. Wow. What I screwed up was not getting a facelift. That's what I mm-hmm. screwed up. It could have been free, but what did I know? But anyway, I was there and I told them I would like raw food. Don't cook me anything unless it's oatmeal, but I didn't want it. Just give me raw food. And I started directing all this. So that night at one in the morning, this wonderful plastic surgeon came and he came back three days later to take the stitching out. It was almost healed. Wow, and amazing. there was a little girl that was the daughter. She was like three years old of the, the roommate that was in. And she came in and said, lady with the light, lady with the light. She's really little and jumped in my bed. And she didn't care about her mom. She just wanted to be with me and she'd hug me. And I was a mess. My face was all swollen. And I mean, I was uglier. You think she'd be as scared of me? But no, she kept saying the lady of the light, the lady of the light. And so while I'm laying in the bed, because this was a teaching hospital, And of course, I had the psychiatrist and psychologist. So they asked me what happened. And I said, well, I can tell you how I, just like the police, I can tell you how I got out of the water, or I can tell you how you think I got out of the water. What would you like? And they said, how we think you did. I go, okay, then I made up the story. (laughs) I couldn't tell because if I said, you know, I met these 12 wise guys, you know, I would have been in the psychiatric unit. So while I'm laying there with all these dire predictions, my back was cracked, my neck, my head, my brain was out of place. We didn't even know my brain was out of place. That turned out to be a good thing. And so um, I'm laying there and I thought, you know what? There has to be something smarter in this body than this brain because all I could hear were all their voices. You know, you're, you're going to be a mess and all this stuff and whatever. It just turned out some I was a mess, but there was something else. And these two words came to me, cellular memory. Remember your cellular memory that is pure and clear. Uh, the minute the sperm hits the egg, you're, you know, you're like your nose knows to be a nose cell and your toe knows to be a toe cell, or we'd have a fingernail at the end of the nose. Cellular memory. And so I called a cab and I <laughs> released myself from the hospital and I had to call a cab and go to Hartford, Connecticut and fly back to Michigan. And it was, a, it was an ordeal, but I made it. And, and from that on, my life changed. I lost every, I don't approve of this. I lost everything I had because I couldn't work anymore. And I was pretty successful. Even after being divorced and, and walking away with virtually nothing, um, within five years, I bought a beautiful home and it was on an acre with a pool and four levels in Michigan. It was gorgeous. And um, and then I, had, I moved to Arizona in 97 with about $50 left to my name uh, in a mess. But remember they said, you know, my brain's out of place in 2000 and one, I think it was, um, or two, I was studied at the University of Arizona under Dr. Gary Schwartz's group. And after a week of being a lab rat, um, he said, I was recommended to my Harvard doctor was a friend of mine and went to Harvard because of that. And, and they said, oh my God, you're a genius. And I said, you guys are really dumb. My brain's out of place. Thanks for cooperating cellular memory. And we all laughed. <laughs> so I was just proving to myself what a hard head, right? And so that was the big one. And I did start writing books and nobody believed me because when I talked about cellular memory, they told me I was nuts. But then when the transplants hit, then some of the doctors and the scientists started calling me. And then they said, we, I scared them. I go, well, good. You ought to be scared. <laughs> Have fun. Yeah. Twice when you've had your NDE, you said it was like Hollywood. What was it about the other side that made it seem like you were in Hollywood? Well, I just say hooray for Hollywood because it was like it was like escape from the horror film. (laughs) There is an Oz. I'm only kidding. But it was just so um, I could use the word peaceful, but it was so connected. It wasn't disenfranchised. It didn't matter what they looked like or what I look like. And I would say sometimes to some of these people I met, hey, they were kind of butt ugly, but they probably thought I was butt ugly, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. But it was the connectedness. It was the allness. It was the uniqueness. And and that's why when I say hooray for Hollywood, because not not the Hollywood we have, that's Holly weird. Mm -hmm. But I'm talking about that, that feeling of being so connected to life. Because here on this planet, we're not connected to life. Because look what we do to life. We destroy it. We kill animals and, you know, we kill each other for any given reason. That's duality because somebody wants to be right about their belief system. Hmm. I'd rather be correct about believing. And so that those are some of the things that I've learned 
uh, or gleaned or remembered through these experiences. And so I call them my near life experiences. You said that these NDEs were a setup. What do you mean by that? Did you did you also plan that in your contract? Yes, I did. And we all do. Near-death experiences are planned. And we do that maybe to rattle our molecules or shake ourselves up. And so I and so it was like an acceleration. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It, w- it was like going to going from kindergarten to a PhD each How- time, wh- whatever that means. How much of our lives do you think are pre-planned? All of it. All of it. Mm-hmm. But we're unconscious to it. Remember, we're in Starbucks and I'm going, hey, Jeff, what are you writing for the next time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> going, well, let's see. And, you know, people think we incarnate with the same people. We don't. Sometimes we do, but mostly we don't because it's a contract. So we're looking for the profile, the behavior, and the role. Mm. Didn't you say you saw somebody on earth that you knew from either another place or another Oh, many life? times, many times. And I'll give you an example. When I was still living in Michigan, a friend of mine, we went to this, uh, like a psychic fair or whatever, in this old mansion. I really wanted to see the mansion. This is the truth. So we're in there walking around. All of a sudden, this door opened that was like a double door into this huge room because, you know, how they, they use this old mansion for events. And this door opened and this man looked in, he walked in. And I was like, you know, uh, on the other side of the room, we both looked at each other. I saw him in like medieval clothes, you know, that time frame. I don't know how he saw me, but we both walked up to each other. And my friend, Judy, she's one of my bestie friends, was with me. We walked up to each other and he said, it's so good to see you again. I said, it is so good to see you again. And he turned around. I turned around. I didn't ask his name. He didn't ask mine or anything. And my friend said, what the heck just happened? (laughs) But it was a recognition. What do you think about deja vu? Well, it's because we've done it before. And it was a familiarity. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll give you an example of deja vu. In my lifetime, I've never been homesick at all. I I love if, you know, um, when my father transitioned, my mother sent me off for three months with some friends of hers, and I was really happy to go. I'm going, yay, I get to be the only kid here. So they didn't have any kids and spoil me. So I never had like a homesickness. So now about 10 years ago, I go to China. And I do remember my first incarnation here was in China. I know who it is. I have my name and all the family and all that stuff. But anyway, so I go to China. And I'm in Beijing. I connected with Beijing. You know, I remember the, you know, the Forbidden City and all that crap. I mean, it was just, but I'd been there various times. And um, while I was there, uh, we were in the dining room and we were getting ready to leave and we were having brunch. And this lady from Canada, who happened to be Chinese, was visiting the first time, her family. And she said, when are you leaving? And I said, oh, our plane's getting out of here about 1.30. And I burst out crying. I go, oh my God, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I'm laughing and crying at the same time. So I went and sat with my friends and I go, I'm having a deja vu. I said, I am having a homesick attack. I've never been homesick in this lifetime. I'm having a homesick. I was so connected to Beijing, but old Beijing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I was in Hangzhou and Suzhou and I connected with those. And then we went to Shanghai. I had no connection. That was like being in New York and shopping, which I love New York and shopping. But it was, it. you know, they said we're going to Chinatown. I go, the whole thing's China. But when I was in Beijing, I had incredible cellular memories of that. Hmm. And this is interesting when we were out in the parks and and two of my friends I was with were blondes, right? But the Chinese people in the parks, and I'm in their um, photos, whatever, came up to me and said, "Um, are you from China? And I said, I am, but not this timeline. And if someone comes to my place or my healing room, it looks like, well, look at this, Asian. I mean, everything I have is probably from China or uh, or Japan or Korea or, you know, Burma or something. I resonate with that. That's resonance. Why do you think you resonate so much with Asia? Because I had lifetimes there that I liked Hmm. and some not so good, but but I liked it. That's why. Hmm. And so I grew up in Michigan in um where there, you know, were uh, early American homes in maple furniture. Sorry. (laughs) But if you like maple furniture and early American homes, I'm all for you. Really. (laughs) But 
but no thank you i either liked it really contemporary you know from the 1930s the bauhaus or i like you know the asian isn't that funny mm -hmm. because i resonate but you know, but don't buy me an early American coffee table or something, or I'll shoot myself. <laughs> I'm not wronging it. It's resonance. Does that make sense? Yeah. And why do you think you chose Michigan for this life? Um, it was my mother's resonance. My mother was uh, Finnish background, and the Finnish language they cannot figure out is not an Earth-based language. Hmm, wow. And there's one other one. I can't. It's not Romania. I can't remember. But there's another one. But it's not Romance or Germanic. It's it's not like an Earth. But, and Finnish is a really weird language. I'm not kidding you. Hmm. And my mother and stepdad both spoke Finnish because they were you know Finnish to the max. My stepdad especially. But I could figure it out. And, and it is a very difficult language. Hmm. So Sorry. I couldn't really speak it. People talk about that there are soul groups and you travel together and reincarnate over and over again together. Are you saying that that's not true? Well, no, it can be because those are contracts that you can, um, if you look at, look at the idea of Nazism, you know, the skinheads, those are contracts in souls that they made together to do it again and again and again, whatever you call them. You know, it could have been from uh, Rome. It could have been Attila the Hun, whatever. Um, but that is a resonance that people do not like to give up. They would rather, uh, and duality is really based a lot on hate and judgment. Mm. But when you mm. judge someone, you're really judging yourself. Mm. And that's something to look at. Mm. I think it's interesting that you lost everything and then you reinvented yourself and, and became successful again. How did you do that? Be my cellular memory, because when I was in the corporate world, I had no corporate. I, I was always an entrepreneur. So let's go back. My brothers were nine, 11 years older than me. They were my idols. They were entrepreneurs like in their early 20s and they became both became millionaires. But it wasn't about becoming But I love what they did, except they incorporated their families in it. And that's how I thought it would should be. Um, I didn't resonate so much with my my sister. They were housewives. Oh, you know, whatever. <laughs> but my brothers got all dressed up and I liked, I don't know what they were doing. And I worked for my one brother at 15 and I thought it was going to be a piece of cake. Believe me, it was not. I learned a lot. And, and, and I, and so I gleaned this information and took it in. And so I had this entrepreneurial spirit. Now this is about profiles. So I met this man. I didn't want to get married, but he wanted to get married. He was my brother's age. IQ off the charts, off the charts. And I thought, well, you know, that could work out, right? So everybody was forcing me in to get married. So I did. He didn't have one entrepreneurial bone in his body, not one, but he was a brilliant guy and not mm -hmm. wronging him in any way. But see, I was looking for the profile of my brothers. You know, I don't mean it in that way, but that the, the, what they did. And I got my mother, one teeny. <laughs> so I was always trying to, you know, but she finally did find my uh, my stepdad when I was about, I think, 10 or 11. I was so happy. It's like, all right, all right, so take this one off my hands. So I was really happy. But so that's what happens. And so it's it's looking at what you're contracting for yourself and take turn it into an agreement. Hmm. Because profiles, behaviors, and roles are very dualistic. And it's not that we're wrong, but you have to look at your own profiles. So how are we able to tap into our cellular memory so we can take advantage of it? That's what I teach every day. That's what I do every day. So I have clients that I work with on Zoom, in person, over the phone. Um, I have clients. Uh, actually, I have a new client in uh, New Wales. And I have another client that I've worked with in Italy. And it's changed their lives. So I have clients all over. So I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook, and um, you can go to my website. It's sherryannchar.com. And, um, and actually, I offer a free ebook on uh, sherryannchar.com. It's called Getting Your Answers in 10 Minutes. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the, the thralls of creating a new um, a website. And I also offer a complimentary 10 or whatever it is, 15-minute session. You would be surprised what you can learn about yourself. Remember cellular memory about yourself in 10 minutes. It's quite extraordinary. Are you putting them through hypnosis or are you oh, putting no, them through a meditation or how do you, I mean, how are you? You're you know. clear and conscious, totally, totally clear and conscious. I actually have a gal today coming to me that was referred to be my, one of my clients who was in the military and um, she's wonderful going through some trauma dramas and we're going to do two half of VIP days, half four hours today and four hours tomorrow. Hmm. 
so she can be ready for all the things that she has to do um, the following week. Because I teach really clear, specific tools. The first one is Neo, non-emotional observer. And also to be a conscious creator that you're being specific. And I, I don't put anybody in an altered state. I don't believe in it. I believe to be fully conscious. Um, so my clients here, I'll show you this really quick. So these were taken nine years ago and I was published in a medical journal. Mm -hmm. These are blood cells that were taken by a doctor who sent them to me. And this is, this, this is a mess. This is sickness. This can be anything. Th this is ill. And this was three months later. These are perfect blood cells, no meds, no supplements, just the tools. And so the doctor sent them to me and I got published in a medical journal. And he said, how did that happen? I have to come to you. And he did. And so it was, this is the difference between duality and consciousness. So can people learn about tapping to their, into their cellular memory from your books or does it need to be with you personally? It can be both. And actually, I'm going to start courses again that I was doing some online, but I actually love doing them in person. And so people fly in and see me and do that, or they'll do the VIP days and they, they can do it through my books. Um, and I, and they're on Amazon. And this latest book is getting five-star uh, reviews and it's only been out a month. Wow. But remember, these are way out and I can't say they're out of the box because with me, there are no boxes. Now, also within our cellular memory, is there trauma and bad things too that we have to kind of heal or be aware of and maybe relook at them? Mm -hmm. And that's what I teach. Um, and I'll give you an example. I wrote an article and I'm happy to send it to anybody. Um, and my email is sherry at sherryonchar.com or you can message me on Facebook. Um, but um, I was working um, with this gal and she was having uh, a lot of problems. She was afraid of uh, needles. And she was in her 50s. This is this is getting into cellular memory. She spent, she told me over $200,000 over the years. I'm quoting her in therapy. And they did terrible things to her. They gave her shots. They put her out. They put her in a psychiatric hospital. They, they did everything they could to her. Shock treatment. It was horrible. And one of her friends who happens to be a client and a friend of mine recommended that she come in one hour. We were able to get... Do you know why she was afraid of needles? Because in the 1950s, women aborted babies with knitting needles. That was the first cellular memorization. That's memorization over memory. And when she got to that, she called her mother after, called me back. And her mother said, I didn't want you then. And I still don't want you. Now she's in her late fifties. So you know how old her mother is. And, but it was okay. She was able, so you can't have a solution. Everything is based on a solution. Someone's going to tell you the answer or heal you or give you the pill. I'm not wanting any of that, but you have to have resolution for solution. And that's what I assist people to get the resolution so they can solve it in all the different ways, whether it's doctors or me or you know, a supplement or whatever, because I say, here's my water, I've got supplements in it. So and I drink really good water. And so it's caring for yourself and not belief systeming all the things that's wrong with you. There's really nothing wrong with anybody. It's just askew. So fear is the lack of correct information. If someone tells me it's false evidence appearing real, I'm going to smack them unless they're, you know, going to, you know, put someone up for a murder, you know, and put false evidence. Whoever made that up really ought to be smacked because it's a lie. Fear is lack of correct information. And when we get correct information, it's quite lovely because then they can have resolution and they can get well. I mean, in those cells, I mean, I don't take blood cells and these are nine years old. Hmm. And that's why the doctor sent him to me. He said, I've got to figure out what's going on. So do doctors contact you when they don't have, when they have cases that they don't know what to do and they contact they you? Do. They do. I have one doctor and we've been friends for years. I met him at Mayo and he's an intern and he's wonderful. And I've worked with over 500 of his patients. Wow. And so, and, and I recommend to him too, even though he's in Ohio and he's wonderful. And it, it's so, it, it's just incredible. Matter of fact, he's coming to a conference this month and he's going to come and visit me. Hmm. And so it, it's the connection. It is the connection that we have, non-dualistic. It's the connection we have without belief systems. It's the connection we have consciously. 
It's the connection we have in the uniqueness, in the allness of each other. It's amazing. And not to have any contracts, the con of the track. I only have agreements. And with some of my family members, I've done that consciously with them. And it's made a difference because I didn't have to be a label and they didn't have to be a label. They could be a person. For example, a doctor would send you like a picture of all those diseased blood cells and you would look at it and then you would say either the, well, your patient needs this treatment or the patient has this going on with their, in their lives and they need to fix that. Or both. Yeah, I actually, my clients will send me their MRIs, their CT scans, all of that stuff. And then where is it in the body? So I teach in this book way beyond the seven chakra system because the seven chakra, and you know what, if people sign up for my newsletter, it's free. I get it out every month. But the wonderful part is I have a blog. And so every week you get a fresh, brand new article. Every week I write them. And so if people sign up for my newsletter on cherryandchar.com and just you get so much information from my articles and they're free. And then I have them on the blogs. If you don't want to sign up, just go through and read them. But it has to make sense. And Jeffrey, that was one of my biggest issues, even as a child. Why didn't it make sense? How could Columbus govern America if people were living here? What about those schleps that were living here? Or anywhere. Do you see what I mean? I didn't get it. It didn't make any sense. And, yeah. and you know, I mean, there is, and so that put me on the research path without, you know, Wikipedia or any of that is, is looking, you know, and I discovered there was a group in, in South America that live on the Western side of South America and they're Japanese and they've lived there for, you know, centuries. And, and they're te- they, they, they really came from Japan and they still have similar foods and whatever and whatever. So are they Japanese South Americans? You know, are you an Italian American? You know, like, what the heck? Are they Japanese Chileans? You know, like, mm-hmm. we're people. But everybody wants to label somebody. Why is that? Duality. Separation. Not connected. So we duality is all of it. So you're saying that we really want to be separated when we're on the earth. No, we don't. We don't. That's the wanty needy. I teach people required desire and deserve because wanty needy, like hoping, wishing, wanting, and needing, and praying, not wronging it, not are the lowest base resonance words. Hoping, wishing, wanting, needing. Like I need you to fix me. This is what it sounds like. Oh, Jeffrey, I want you to need me. Oh, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> so I teach require because that's, you know, it's an action word. Desire means to sire or to birth and deserve it. No, you deserve it. The plane's going down. The pilot says, take the oxygen first. And that's not selfish. It's centered in self. But duality is selfish and crazy. But centered in self, you you are there, but you've got to be within yourself. That's not selfish, but selfless and selfish are both victim programs. So this mm. is selfless. Oh my God, Jeffrey, all I've done for you. <laughs> and then you can say, Hey, I got 10 more things on my list. <laughs> when you're here, this is a place of duality. If not, then how do we get into this dualistic system? Because it is by the ones that control this planet. Uh really read, take back, I really get busting out of the matrix. I explain it all. And um, I, and I just love doing this. And I don't know, I can throw this out to you, but for over two years on Eventbrite, every other week, every other Wednesday, it was last night, Wednesday, I do a thing for two hours. I only charge 15 bucks at 750 an hour. It's ridiculous. And it's, and you might want to pick it up sometimes. It's called, it's called um, Insider Secrets of the Shift. And I've been doing it for two and a half years hmm. and I provide all kinds of information. And the reason I do it on, uh, on um, calendar or uh, the reason I do it is not through zoom, but it's on Eventbrite. And I am looking for another pl- platform because the Chinese own it. <laughs> well, you love China should be okay. Uh, from another timeline, <laughs> but it wasn't even okay when I was leaving, living there, believe me, it was very dualistic, but <laughs> It depends on where you live. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the interesting part about it, if you look at similarities, 
In England, they gave uh, people uh, names like shoemaker. They mm -hmm. made shoes, correct? Right. They did the same thing in China or Japan. You weren't called, you didn't have a name like uh, whatever a name would be. You were named what you did. The same thing they did in, now these, they're, how many continents or whatever, million miles apart or whatever. And still during those timelines, they did the same thing. That's dualistic. It's duality. It's a resonance. Hmm. Wow. Isn't that amazing? I yeah. tell you, I'm a researcher. Right. You've given us a lot of amazing information today and I'm running out of time. So before we finish up, can you leave us with one more positive message? Yes. This is a Shariaism. I have a Shariaism book. It's so, and you can say, so say it with me, Jeffrey. Right. What I say. What I say. Makes my day. Makes my day. And what I say. And what I say. Can make or break someone else's day. Can make or break someone else's day. That's a Shariaism. Isn't that fabulous? Yeah. Sherry, thank you so much for coming and joining us today. I really appreciate you and I wish you massive success in whatever you're doing. Is to take this globally. And free the kids. <laughs> and and uh, I would love it if you could send me the link because I'd like to share it all over my social media. I will. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.